Hi, I'm Alan Pangborn, President and CEO of Chesapeake Gold. And our major project is Matatis in Durango, Mexico, which is a massive gold and silver deposit with 20 million, 19 million ounces of gold and 480 million ounces of silver. And we just put out a new resource update, Merlin, which happy to talk to you about. Alan, thank you very much for the introduction. Good to be speaking to you again. Uh, yeah, new mineral resource estimate. Uh, let's get straight into it. Why did you have to do a new resource estimate? Because when you already had uh, 20 million ounces of gold, uh, and what is new about this? So when we first um, took over management of the company, we needed material for Met Test Work, which is the whole crux behind what we're doing project. But when we got the results, they were 19 to 20% higher grade than the block model was predicting, which was a bit of a surprise. Nice surprise with only five holes, but we thought that's unusual. So we went and drilled another 18 holes and surprise, surprise, got the same sort of results again. And that was all focused on the intrusive and the intrusive pressure. When you got 23 holes that are all saying 19 to 20% higher grade, you sort of scratch your head and go, Why? So we've done a whole pile of work since we put those last results out to understand why. And so two quite well-renowned geologists have gone through the resource, gone through the block model, rebuilt it all, re reinterpreted the boundaries, put a shell on the outside so that it doesn't spread everywhere, um, reinterpreted some of the boundaries between the intrusive, intrusive pressure and the sediments, and rerun the, the variograms, tighten them up a fair bit. Um, and then those additional holes with that higher grade have obviously had an impact as well. So it was a complete rebuild. Just to be clear, a variogram, um, in geostatistics, the variogram is your confidence with which you can predict what That's the grade not... is going to be away from your data point. So if you've got to drill right. a hole here, you uh, if you're, if the, the, uh, the variogram or the, the the range of your semi-variogram uh, is is says that you can predict what the grade is two hundred meters away. What you're saying is that you've you've brought it in tighter. And I, I've seen your news release. You talk about um, ranges, but kind of it's about fifty-five to sixty meters yeah. along strike and down dip, and it's a little bit less um, across the, the the structure of the ore body. Yeah, that's right, and that's a lot tighter than it was before. Don't ask me what they were. I'm not a geologist. <laughs> I, that's my get out of card. <laughs> but if you can confidently predict what the grade is going to be based on a lot of statistics, kind of a lot of data, yeah. um, that means that your drill spacing can be 50 meters. Uh, whereas this is very different to some gold deposits, which are structurally controlled and very tightly constrained, oh, which yeah, have to be no. drilled out on, on five or 10 meter spacing. I mean, this, this is a completely different animal. Yeah, it's it's a large intrusive body that's come in that carries the gold and silver there's a breccia uh, piece on the top um, and then there's some we're not sure if it's a separate mineralization event or not because the silver gold ratios are different in the sets to the intrusive so there's a bit of an overlap um, and the geologists even looked at how far did it bleed into the sets before it seems to be this other mineralization event so you know, it's um, it is a large chunk of low grade. I mean, it's not high grade. It's 
it's a gram combined, a bit more now. Um, but the focus has always been on that intrusive because when we first looked at it, when you get these very large ore bodies with very large projection distances, I mean, some of search distances for him, measured did go inferred, were 200 meters. That's a long yeah. way. That's a yeah. long way. Yeah. But um, just to be clear, you're, so the, the 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 global resource, or the kind of the envelope of the 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 the, yeah. the envelope encompasses twenty million ounces. But you're you're from what I can see from the news release, you're focusing on the five million ounces that or four point yes. eight million ounces that sits within the within the intrusive and the intrusive breccia. That's right. That's right. It's the highest grade material. Every time you run a cone, it's the first place the mine wants to go because it comes right to the surface. So you know. Lurch Grossman always does the same thing. Highest margin, nearest to the surface, comes out first. Um, and so that that has always been the focus. And when we took over management uh, and I spoke with the board, that the, the strategy was we need to have a project that we believe we will be able to fund and build and then expand. You know, and the PEA that we put out in August year before last, a 31-year mine life just on the intrusive is plenty. Yeah? And so that that's always been the focus. You you know, you've got to be in it to win it. You've got to be producing to, to get any upside in the gold price. Sitting there otherwise doesn't do you any good. So what you're saying is, um, to, just paraphrasing it, is you may have this huge resource, but let's focus on the 4.8 million ounces, which are going to give us the best economics that 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 suit your company, that you can develop, that you can raise the capital for, that you can operate. Yes. And look, if somebody wants to come and take us out for the 19 million ounces built like project, it's still there. It hasn't gone anywhere. Yeah. It's just at three to four billion dollars. Tell if somebody could tell me how Chesapeake, at whatever our market cap is now, $100 million or something, um, can fund a 3 to $4 billion project and still actually own any of it, I'll, I'm all ears. But I, yep. you know, I don't know how you do that. Do you, um, just kind of stepping back from a bit, from, um, from the project itself, do you feel that there's a... Uh, a kind of a Mexico discount being applied applied to Chesapeake at the moment because that because of uh, some of the planning issues and some of the 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 um, environmental ministry because some of the kind of anti mining rhetoric that's out there and not just rhetoric some action as well. There may be. I think there's a lot of things at play with with Chesapeake. Firstly, it's an old story and a lot of people have heard about it before. And they put it in the box of it's refractory, it's low grade, needs a ton of capital. Somebody else has to buy it to build it. Yeah. And so they just it's just trading on a dollar per ounce basis. You then overlay that we're bringing in a new technology. You know, the mining industry is conservative at the best of times. Um, I'm not worried about the tech because I know it works in the copper space and we put up our, our proof of concept uh, last September and we spoke about I think I spoke with Matt about that last time so there's there's multiple things and also from 2016 until we took over management there was very little marketing done 
Yeah. And so that all put all that together, we're slowly seeing more and more interest. Um, you know, to give you an idea, the first year I went to Beaver Creek, we may have had 10 or 15 meetings. Last year when I went to Beaver Creek, we had 50. Yeah. Last last May, for the first time, we got an invite to the Canaccord Conference. This year, I'm going to BMO in two days' time. We never got an invite to BMO before. Yep. Yeah. And so we're starting to get interest. Mm. Yeah. And it, it, it just takes time. When 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 it's been dead, getting getting new interest again that, hey, this time there is a real opportunity that it goes somewhere. It's it's been a lot of work. But you no, know, I think we're slowly getting there. Put out the proof of concept, great, supports the PEA. Put out the updated resource, great, supports the PEA. Yeah. Um, and we've got to keep doing that until we get to a PFS. Do you get any questions on Mexico? Do you, I mean, do, do people ask you about the, the, the um, title risk or the permitting risk in Mexico? No, it, it, it's strange. I mean, you're probably the mm. first one that's asked me about it. Um, you know, there's, there's been a lot of rhetoric. There's been a lot. Of, there was recently, like within the last 48 hours, AMLO has started screaming about nationalization of the lithium industry. Yeah. Yeah. That actually, he actually mentioned that a year ago or more. Um, you know, you mentioned permitting risk and and uh, leases. You know, what the, was the mine the, that what was the mine that applied for a twelve year extension and got it um got it granted and then it was cut back down to two. Um, was it Fortuna's that, mine? I can't yeah, it was remember. Fortuna. Yeah, it was. It was one of them. Um, you know, it, but then the flip side. For all of the rhetoric about not um, not approving any more open pits, all have got approved and built under this regime, under this government. You know, we've we've met with the Durango government uh, back in November, which is the the new administration that's just came in. I'm going to meet them again at PDAC. They're all for it. Um, I th- I think I think what you're seeing is. If you can get the community, if you can get the the regional government to come hand in hand with you to Mexico City, you'll get what you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you can't, if you look at some of the others, there's background noise underneath that has led to some of these problems. Yeah, and so, you know, our our community relations or government relations. I model off what I've seen elsewhere, where focus on your neighbor, then focus on your neighbor's neighbor, and eventually go to the capital, not the other way around. Don't go to Mexico City and expect the Minister of Mines or Secretary of Mines or whatever he is in the federal government to go and tell the province and the local community what they have to do. It won't work. Yeah, yeah, and no, no, I'm totally with you. Um, <clears throat> good. I'm curious. That, um, that, that's interesting. Thank you for that uh, kind of the Mexican perspective. Uh, coming back to uh, Chesapeake and the the metallurgical test work that you uh-huh. announced, kind of proof of concept last September. Um, I think at the time you said you needed more time. Yes. And 
you said that um, I think you showed in the news release you showed that you had done 120 days of test work, but sometimes these leech things need to run longer. Um, yeah. What's your What's your planning on talking about the news the the, the met test work? Uh, you know, have you got some announcement brewing? Is that something that's going to come this quarter? You know, where, oh, no. where, where do we? No, 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 no. These columns, these columns are taking 180 days just to oxidize, then another 90 days to reach the gold and silver as a sort of standard test. So that's that's nine months per column. Um, we've got some 20 odd columns running. I've actually got a couple that have been running for over a year now, oxidizing, and I'll switch them over at some stage. Um, so it, you're trading off time against capital. And unfortunately, the one thing we can't speed up is the clocks. It takes what it takes. And so even though it's slow, um, it is a better economic result. It's a better environmental result because it uses less power, less water, and there's no tailings down than the alternative, which is your audit lake. Um, but it means the test work takes time. I, I, I've, I've got notes here from the last interview I did with you, which is kind of in the middle of last year, that you were in the middle of metallurgical test work and it was going to take nine months. Yeah. So and I know that and also in September that you've started some bigger columns. So I just... Uh, not it's just bigger a col columns, uh, different conditions. Not, not, different conditions. Okay. Um, yeah. are, you, are you running your column heights at the same dimensions as your bench lifts will be on the um on the pad no. no no the bench the bench lift on the pad as designed is seven meters um the industry as a whole these days has got a good understanding of of scale up from a, a three meter two three four meter column to seven ten meters um the copper industry has been doing it for a long time the gold industry has been doing it on oxides for a long time yeah, so we know what the scale-up factors are between them. The oxidation process is a dead ringer for what we did in the copper industry. Yeah, you know, we 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 probably will need to build a pilot plant at some stage, and they they will be up to full scale. Just probably to satisfy the financiers more than anything. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I've just been talking to a friend of mine who was who ran a copper heat bleach um, project, and he said he got the best results when he mimicked the the height of the of the pad, the lifts on the pad to the the columns. Um, I think that's where that that's where that question came from. We didn't for Spence, not that I remember. Yeah. It was all column tests, um, and they were ten meter high pads. Yeah. Yeah. And that was sulfide oxidation to get 80 plus percent copper recovery. Uh, we built that in 2004. It ran, it's, they're just running it down now and switching over to the primary sulfide flotation plant. So there's, 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 a, there's a wealth of knowledge here. I'm physically in Chile at the moment. Uh, they, there's a wealth of knowledge here on how to build them, operate them, what the test work looks like prior to um there's some interesting work done on on off irrigation as well and whether that mimics the curves or not the differences uh, 
Unfortunately, a lot of the papers are in Spanish, but if you can read Spanish, go for it. <laughs> I can. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I, I can as well. But um, in your presentation, kind of in, in the <laughs> appendix to your presentation, kind of in there, you've got um, some pretty groovy slides about um, kind of oxidation stuff and the kind of the, the nonlinear relationship. And in your test work in September, you were talking about kind of a 30% oxidation. Um, <laughs> what do you, what's, what's the optimum time oxidation relationship for for your gold or is that what you're trying to establish in your test that's, work that's exactly what i'm trying to establish in my test work and and what does that is it is it two to one is it three to one half to one what what is the ratio between oxidation to recover to gold recovery gold release and silver release yeah. um the the reason it's different than and you're a geologist the gold in the so huh, the oxidation starts where the stress is highest on the crystal right the gold sometimes is in those stress planes and that's where it oxidizes first so you get a disproportionate release of gold for a proportion for a release of sulfur yeah, sulfur goes yep. sulfate. And so you get this inverse dendrite, like honeycomb, going into the, the crystal. And and the gold could be on the microfractures. And the so, gold so is on in the, the, for, the stress plate. For a, small, for, for, for a small amount of oxidation, uh, like in September you were reporting 30% oxidation, and it was taking your recovery. gold... Yeah. You were taking your gold recoveries up to 60%. Okay, and that was after 120 days. So the, the the question is, which I guess with the rest of the test work is, is saying, can you get up to 70 or 75 or possibly even you know higher on your gold recovery by leaving it for a bit longer? And that's an economic trade-off, right? Yeah. Because what's the incremental recovery? How does that increase the size of my pad? Sulfur and sulfur neutralization. Because if I oxidize another kilo of sulfur, I've got to neutralize it, which is alkaline consumption. So it's a reagent cost, uh, capital cost to make the pad bigger, yeah, and time, working capital. And time, the, the time value of money, the working capital. That's right, yeah. So those all three of those come into play. Again, going back to my experience in the copper industry where we were doing this, um, you know, the pad at Spence was designed to run for two years. Yeah. Right? So but but it's linear and, and to get the every atom of copper you get, or you get two atoms of copper for one atom of sulfur, right? Because it was chalcosite, some covalite, which is one to one. And you've got you've got to break that sulfur to get the copper. Fortunately, in the case of the pyrite, gold isn't in there as gold sulfide. So you don't have to break a bond. You just have yeah. to expose it. And the gold atom causes stress in the crystal. Right? Now, you're a geologist. All pyrites are not equal, or all iron sulfides are not equal. Okay? Yeah. You can go everywhere from those beautiful cubic crystals you can get in Spain. Yeah, and I'm, if I was in Canada, I'd show you the, the different ones because I've got a sample of each one. Yeah, yeah, I've got some right? here as well. So you can get those beautiful cubes. 
those damn things are as stable as, yeah, and they take forever to oxidize because there's no stress in the tube, right? Yeah. You can switch to marcasite, right, which is quite common in the UK. Yeah, you get those nodules. That stuff, you leave it on your desk with a bit of humidity around, and it's got a white powder on it in three months. Pyrotite, it's called pyrotite for a reason, right? And so it's, but it's all stress. Yeah. It's how the crystal formed and how stressed it is. The more stressed it is, the faster it locks it on. So there's a mineralogical formation piece to it as well. And that's why you can't just apply it willy-nilly to any pyrite refractory deposit. You do need to test it first to understand how fast it's going to locks. Right, we've been we've thrown ourselves into a rabbit hole. We've now yeah. got to pull ourselves back out. <laughs> but it's and, fun. Um, Sorry, Will. <laughs> so uh, let's talk about what this year holds for the company, and in particularly, I mean, you're not alone. It's been a 2022 was a pretty tough year for for resource uh, stocks. Gold stocks, in particular, have had a pretty tough time. Many gold stocks have had a rebound in the last couple of months. Uh, as the gold price came up from 1650 to 1950 and went up back down a bit. But um, let's talk about how you think you're going to get that share price moving in that direction rather than steady or down. <laughs> get the story out. Talk to you. Talk to others. Talk to anybody and everybody I can. I, I think I mentioned I'm, I'm going to BMO in two days. First time ever. Yeah. Different investor base. We, we've been changing some of the companies that we use to help us with IR to get focused on a different investor base um, to find those investors that this story intrigues. It's a very different story. Yeah, it's not an exploration story. You're not going to see some whiz-bang drill results in three weeks' time. It, that's not what it is. I know where the elephant is. It's dead. It's sitting in the ground. We've just updated the resource. I don't need to do much more drilling on it, if any. Um, it all comes back now to just put your head down and do the work you need to do to have the information to support the PFS, which we expect to do in, okay. in 2024. Um, and we're doing all that other stuff Let's unpack that a bit. Too. Sure. Let's, let's, un let's unpack that um, PFS 2024. Um, so what are the elements of work that you need to do in this year to contribute to a PFS in 2024 and when is it going to come in 2024? So things we need, environmental monitoring, because the, the, you have it's not just the PFS. You've got to set up for what you then do with that PFS. Yeah. Okay. So the PFS will allow me to start the permitting process, which is another yeah. how long is a piece of string. But to be able to do the permitting process, what they first do is they review your permit application and check, have you got certain things? And two of the key things yep. they look for is water supply, clear title, and access, and an and a exploitation agreement with the local communities. Okay? Yep. So that when you roll that back, it can take you a couple of years negotiating with the local community to get what you need for everybody to be happy and get that exploitation agreement. 
So we started that. We started it in November. I had the first meeting we've ever had with the president and the secretary of the local community. We're going back down in March, April time to have another meeting with them. They, they had some requests. We're getting some stuff sorted out. Go back, sit down, have another chat, explain everything to them, start working on the community. We want to do this. You want to do this. How do we do it? How does it all work? What do you get out of it? What do we get out of it? Um, yep. Same with the local government, Durango government. That takes time. The other thing you've got to have, otherwise your permit application will be sent back to you, is clear water. Yeah. Um, I've been through What do you mean by that? Do you have water right, extraction water rights to satisfy the project? Yes or no? You can't wave your arms. It won't. It won't work. Okay. Right. So, so, um, so we're working on those two things. We're working on the environmental monitoring. So I've got continuous environmental monitoring for the previous couple of years, at least. Yeah. Now we've got a lot of old data from before that we can tie this into as well. So that's not a problem. You know. Power supply, where's it coming from? How's it going to get to site? And is there a different permit you need to bring in the power line? Yeah. Um, fortunately, when we found out when we went down to site 18 months ago, there's already a power line to the little village near Bauer. It's not big enough for what we want, but the access way is there. The access way has already been negotiated, so it's an upgrade, not a start from scratch. So it's 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 getting your head around all of those other bits and pieces that you need to have in place. Yeah, one one of the problems the industry suffers from, particularly the junior end of it, they go to an engineering company to do a PFS. Straight after they finish the PDA. And the engineering company says, so what do I use? Have you got any new topo? Uh, no, I'll go and get some. It doesn't just fall out of the trees. Have you got any new metallurgical test work? No, use what you had last time. And it takes way longer than it should because they go back and around and do it and do it and do it again. Um, yeah. I've done it enough times. I know what I need at each stage. And if you work inside the majors, and by majors, I mean the true majors, the BHPs, the Rios, the valets, they actually have a very prescriptive checklist. Have you got for each stage, right? So you'll hear them talk about toll gating or stage gating or whatever. Um, there's, there's a very clear list of guys, you've got to have all this stuff because what, what people forget is a, a study, whichever one, PEA, PFS, FS, they produce two things. They obviously produce something that you can put into the market and go, ta-da, here's what my project looks like now. What it also produces is a list of things that you need more definition. Yeah, yeah, a list of recommendations, the gap analysis, it's exactly all the... Right. So if you've got a list of all these things that you need for the next one, how can you go straight into starting the next study? Yeah. The junior end of the market does it all the time. 
here. Yeah. Yeah. You don't. You, you, you do all this other work first. And that's what we're doing this year. And that's what Crux and um, Crux investors are kind of trying to do is trying to highlight the the the, the gaps. You yeah. know, this is actually these things take time. These are business development. Um, it's a process, and typically, it's just things like uh, if you look at most junior company presentations, they don't include the financing um, time element. You know, there's there's typically a time. Uh, required to get your mind financed, um, get your mind permitted, which is not always accurately reflected in the junior mining um, timelines. So, oh, um, and permitting, permitting is a lot of piece of string. How long is it going to take? Yeah, depends on how good your permit application is, and do you actually have all the data that they're going to look for? Did you do noise? Did you do dust? Did you do water? Did you do ARD test work? Is all that stuff there? Do you do you um, envisage any infill drilling and kind of re um, resource upgrade? Have you got f for your mine plan? Have you got any um, kind of uh, geotech work, uh, resource infill, kind of uh, resource reclassification that that is required? If you look at the the gaps, most of the Intrusive, intrusive retro is already M and I. Right. It's more SEDs that are in inferred. And, you know, given our focus That's... is on that first piece. Yeah. Why why would I go drill year fifty yep. resource? There's no point. Yep. No. Um Okay. So, you know, that there'll obviously there'll be a stage where you go and infill drill before you start mining. Right. I really want a couple of years, at least three years measured, well measured before I start digging a hole. Um, and again, it, come, it, it comes back to that know where you need to be and when you need to spend that money. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's no point thinking about the detail of your mine until you've got some economics around it, which is going to depend on the um, on the meta uh, metallurgical test work and your yeah. recoveries. Yeah, because um, you could probably go out tomorrow and work out what the cost per ton of moving dirt is, but the economic side, the recoveries, your 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 gold and silver recoveries are contingent on the test work that's in process at the moment, and they have a big effect on the economics. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, good. So, um, thank you. I understand kind of exactly where you are, which is you're kind of you're keen to. Um, wear out some shoe leather going around the market telling the the, the world about the upgraded um, resource base the grade has gone up 16 percent you're uh, you've got some indicative metallurgical test work which suggests that you've got at least 60 percent gold recovery and at least 50 percent um, silver oh, wow. recovery yeah. you've got um, column test work ongoing and at some stage during the course of 2023 question mark you're going to come back and tell us what that's about yes yes that's right and 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 we're doing environmental communities, our water, road, you know, all of that, all of that underlying data collection that you need to have to actually be able to say this is a reserve and then be able to put permit application together. Alan, I know that you had a bunch of meetings in Beaver Creek uh, six months ago, but since the gold price popped up about two months ago, What's 
what's the tone of the conversation with the institutions been? What have they said to you that they need to see before they engage or buy on market or uh, or indeed wait for the next placement? It was it was interesting. They 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 sort of accepted quite well the proof of concept. Yeah. Um, you know, I went to the Scotia conference in November, I think it was. Um, and so, you know, it was, well, what's next? What's the next steps? How much money you got <laughs> was the common question, uh, which is fine because we're still in the mid to high $20 million range. Um, we're just under 30 somewhere. It was the last public number we re- released. And and our burn rate isn't high because we're not doing a lot of drilling. That's where you spend a lot of money really fast. Um, you know, the slowly I'm getting more and more ins- interest from institutions. Um, test work results always comes up. And the other one is, are you going to build a pilot plant? And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not a big fan of pilot plants, but if that what makes the world happy i'll build a pilot plant when would you make that decision do you think feasibility study probably post fees actually so tie it into financing with the feasibility study yeah alan thank you very much for the update that that's great i look forward to seeing you at uh, pdac i'm sure you'll be super busy but i'll come by and uh try and uh, uh shake your hand at the booth uh we're not having a booth i i I don't see a lot of benefit from them. So I'll be at PDAC after BEMA um, and more than happy to try and find you and we catch up and maybe have a coffee. Good good stuff. Anyway, good luck in the meetings and um, congratulations on the resource update, um, the resource upgrade today. Thank you.